Why can't we chart? Why can't we trust big pharma? Because their own documents say so. Let's get into it. I was reviewing the Pfizer documents and what I'm finding is unbelievable. Um, so I came across this article on Newsweek, by the way, I'm going to, all the links are in the description. Everything I share is facts that is from Pfizer's actual documents that they've released to the public. Um, a Newsweek article, uh, I've shared all on the screen. I'm going to give everyone the description for it. This is not conspiracy. This is just auditing from my accountant days and seeing if everyone's aware of what I'm learning because, uh, I'm kind of fucking shocked to be honest, but, um, yeah, today we're getting into the Pfizer docs. All right. I didn't know a lot of this stuff and quite honestly, I'm a little scared after reading it because, um, it doesn't look good. Uh, and, um, the whole purpose of this podcast, this video, whatever, everything we do, it's about the objective truth, the search for the objective truth, the search for what is best for people, for humanity, for life, for, um, people to be successful, to be healthy, to, um, you know, have, be the masters of their own domain to pursue, you know, their, their own pursuit of happiness, um, not to be taken advantage of, not to have, you know, uh, not to spread, um, you know, I don't want to spread any information that's not true. And so anything that I see on here is going to be a shared screen with the actual, um, you know, credible articles from, you know, government outlets, uh, from Pfizer, you know, private companies, um, and, you know, videos and everything will always be in the description. So no conspiracy. I don't do conspiracies. Um, not really into that stuff. The UFOs are kind of interesting actually, but you know, I don't, I, I don't get too deep into that. I'm sort of an analytical person. Um, and I just want to bring to you what I found. So let's go through it. And it's, it, it's actually one more thing I want to say. So we're living through a really interesting time. And what's so fascinating to me is that the time we're living through, there's a lot of good happening from the standpoint of people are pushing back on very large, you know, corporations or, you know, uh, being skeptical or maybe even having distrust and questioning and these huge collaborates and big businesses, you know, Exxon and all these massive companies, global companies, you know, are somewhat of a threat because they're so powerful, right? I mean, just look at even, uh, you know, the labor unions or whatever with Amazon and then Amazon restricting certain keywords from their like internal chat, like, uh, like, <laughs> like bathroom or like pay raise. Like, yeah. I mean, there's articles everywhere. You can search it. Like, you know, Amazon bans words in internal chat. Um, they're powerful. And, uh, Whatever you believe about the future, I think we can all agree that it's good to be skeptical and to ask questions to massive organizations because you can't just automatically trust them because when anyone or any group is in a place of power, the whole purpose of the regular ordinary people is to question, is to be on the search for the truth, 
and to get to the information that allows people to make the best decisions possible for them and for their family. Like that is the whole purpose. It's really simple. And so that's all we're trying to do. That's all I'm trying to do. So this isn't to be controversial at all. But what's so interesting about this time is that we're pretty much, I feel like there's a lot of pushback on every big or big, big business type of organization, except for one industry and only a handful of companies, big pharma. It, it's so interesting to me. And I am, listen, believe whichever way you want to go, just, it's so interesting that, you know, we do go after, um, you know, Nike for, you know, developing shoes like a sweatshop and the conditions of people making iPhones and all this stuff. But we never talk about perhaps the Pfizer's, the Moderna's, the, you know, I mean, I mean, the Sackler family, basically everyone who has been associated with big pharma, with Oxycontins, with illegal marketing, with, you know, adverse effects later on, and they've had to pay billions of dollars in fines. It's one of the least trustworthy industries of all time, historically, like facts, like easily probably the most friction, but it's so weird that we have this culture where there's such a rise to say, no, you know, like, let's trust these guys. We'll question all these other big businesses, but like Pfizer, they have the best out for us. They would never, never do something for their own financial gain. No way. They're here for our health and they want us to be healthy. Don't forget they're a business and a business's goal is to maximize profit. I mean, that's just a fact of economics and the way our capitalist societies were, you know, formed and uh, created. And listen, do I think that's right? And that's how it should be? No, it probably needs to be changed. We need to, you know, change the rules up a bit. It's not working. But to have this type of protective or these groups of people having their back, like it's a mom and pop shot, as opposed to this massive conglomerate that's super fucking powerful and nobody, you know, questions them or, or, you know, puts them in tough positions, uh, you know, to answer really, really hard questions is really confusing to me. It's so weird. All right. I don't want to go too much more on the rant. Let's get to the FISA docs. All right. So first, um, we're going we're gonna to start with uh, the Newsweek article. And it's a, it's a good piece that just came out. Um, this is Newsweek, um, Why America Doesn't Trust the CDC. Uh, by Marty uh, McCory. So, so it's a professor from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. And um, this, this just came out and I'll, I'll go through some of it. So here we go. People don't trust the CDC. Here's one example illustrating why. Two weeks ago, with no outcome data on COVID-19 booster shots for five to 11 year olds, the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, vigorously recommended the booster for all 24 million children in that group. The CDC cited a small Pfizer study, which we'll get into, of 140 children that showed boosters elevated their antibody levels, an outcome known to be transitory. Okay, that's the first part. When the study concluded, a Pfizer spokesman said it did not determine the efficacy of the booster in the 5 to 11-year-olds. Okay, so they didn't they weren't able to determine the efficacy, all right? But quote, or quote, but that didn't matter to the CDC. 
seemingly hoping for a different answer, the agency put the matter before its own kangaroo court of curated experts. Must be nice to be able to curate your experts. You know, I always like to curate my music and make really good mixes. Like, I guess curating experts is just like, hey, we're going to pick someone who's agreeable. Fantastic. Come on board. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP. I listened to the meeting and couldn't believe what I heard. At times, the committee members sounded like a group of marketing executives. See, that's my biggest concern. And that's my whole point on this, is that it's Pfizer's job to return the highest amount of money to their shareholders. That's the whole purpose of what a business does. However, they cross the boundaries of health and, you know, basically humanitarian rights almost. And mix that with business, do you worry that perhaps they might make a decision that is for the benefit of the bottom line and at the detriment of the human being? I mean, just a question, not something I'm implying or saying is true. It's just a question. And I think it's valid. All right, back to the article though. Dr. Beth Bell of the University of Washington said, quote, what we really need to do is to be as consistent and clear and simple as possible, close quote, pointing out that the committee needed, quote, a consistent recommendation, which is simple. Okay. Seems like they want something that's easily absorbed by the public. They're trying to sell it. That's fine. However, it's weird. It's coming from a marketing standpoint. Other committee members similarly emphasize the importance of a universal booster message that applies to all age groups, or as I have referenced it before, is the one size fits all. Um, I mean, it's, it's no different than a shoe. Everyone's got a different size foot. So therefore everyone's got a different size shoe. Anyways, humans are nuanced and I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Dr. David Kimmerlin, editor of the American Academy of Pediatrics Red Book, speaking on his own behalf, said, <laughs> it's a weird thing to put in there, said, Americans are yearning for, are crying out for a simpler way for looking at this pandemic, close quote. He suggested that not recommending boosters for young children would create confusion that, quote, could also bleed over to 12, and 17, 12 to 17 year olds and even the adult population. That's like a concern, like, like it's almost the way that sounds to me is like, oh, our sales tactic may not work. Like, isn't that not the goal here? The goal is to protect the people, right? So we just want to give it to the right people and the right dosage for the right amount, right? Well, that's what I thought. The committee also debated how hard to push the booster recommendation, discussing whether the CDC should say that five to 11 year olds, quote, may get a booster versus, quote, should get it. Now that right there, that debate is exactly the marketing type angle that I'm referring to that is of concern when you're in the medical industry and you're creating something where you're supposed to get a profit on it and maximize that while also having the best interest of the people at stake. Those two have friction and sometimes counter each other. So therefore, wouldn't it not even be fundamentally possible to do what's in the best interest of the people while also achieving the maximum total profit isn't one at the expense of the other, or am I wrong? I feel like it, it's a, it, they contradict each other. Anyways, 
Exhibiting classic medical paternalism, committee member Dr. Oliver Brooks of the Watts Healthcare Corporation said, quote, I think may is confusing and may sow doubt, adding, if we say should more people get boosted versus may, then we may have more data that helps us really define what we're, where we're going. Dr. Brooks was essentially suggesting that boosting in this age group would be a clinical trial conducted without informed consent. That doesn't sound like following the science to me. <sighs> this is just concerning. ACIP's medical establishment representatives were on hand for the meeting. God only knows who those people are. They included members of the Trade Association, Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, and the American Medical Association, the AMA, Dr. Sandra Freihofer, an internist representing the AMA, summarized the tone of the many legacy stakeholders uh, present, present with a passionate plea, quote, I urge the committee to support a should recommendation for this third dose. The committee promptly approved the booster for young children by an 11 to 1 vote with one obstetrician abstaining only because he missed some of the discussion. Okay. <sighs> Does this raise any flags? Should this raise questions that are valid to ask? And we're not even at the, you know, the Pfizer documents. This is just, hey, if you have kids on the line, there's one thing that really bothers me in life. And I don't know what it is, but there's always been like a couple things that have been so deep rooted with me for so long. And it's just always made like it gets me. And one of them is messing with innocent kids in some way, whatever that is, just putting them in a harm's way, which, you know, you know, people doing, you know, bad things to kids or, you know, the whole bunch of stuff. Uh, it could be child porn, pedophilia, human trafficking is like a massive industry, which is disgusting. Kids are innocent and if they don't know better and an adult takes advantage of them, which I'm not saying is what happened in this scenario. I'm just saying in general, whenever that happens, it fires me up. And I think, I think it gets the attention of a lot of people because nobody, nobody would ever want kids to be harmed in any way. And again, I'm not saying that the kids are harmed in this study or from COVID or any of that stuff. Nothing. I'm just reading the information and I'm sharing it because I find it interesting. And I would find it really hard to believe that I'm the only one that feels like the world feels weird and should not be questioned because I think it should be. Um, I think it's healthy. Even if you're wrong, just let's chat. Um, so I want to get into the Pfizer documents, but that was just a pretext to... People don't trust the CDC as much as they did because the CDC, quite frankly, made a lot of mistakes. And that's okay, right? It's just that people want uh, people who may have said something related to anything and been wrong to be accountable. That's all. People want people to be accountable. And I think that's, that's fair. Um, now, I do want to kind of stay on this topic to see if people do trust it. So... The way that the Pfizer documents are coming out, and they are really interesting. <laughs> um, they're really interesting, which we'll get into. I've highlighted some parts. And uh, so they're releasing a certain amount of documents 
every month or every like 30 days, right? So essentially they're not doing all at once over a course of many, many months, they're releasing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little more. So these five documents that um, I have or that everyone has, um, and you can go to the link below, is strictly from when the emergency authorization was used, which I believe was December 7th or 8th, but they say it's from December 1st to February 28th. So this is just February, December 1st to February 28th for what you're about to see of, tw uh, that is of, uh, from, uh, 2000, December 1st, 2019 to February 28th, 2020. So there's a lot of data to come, right? Cause I mean, for example, if you were vaccinated, um, was it after February 28th, 2020? Cause if so, these are unrelated to that. And so, um, and you'll see, they reference that, um, as well. So let's, um, let's see here. And, uh, yeah, there were some things I had to, uh, uh, look up and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, let's see. So, all right. Cool. All right. Excuse me. All right. So these are the Pfizer documents and, you know, I could probably, here we go. So there's 38 pages. This is from December 1st to February 28th, 2019 to 2020. So it's three months of the 19 to 20 years. It says 5.36 cumulative analysis of post authorization, adverse event, adverse event reports of PFO73, 0208, and that's COVID, received through February, oh, I'm sorry, February 28, 2021. So it's December 1st, 2020. That's right. To February 28, 2021. No further than that. The rest will come out later. Uh, if you can't see the, uh, the screen right now, uh, it's the reports prepared by the Worldwide Safety, uh, looks like division of Pfizer. This is Pfizer. It even says this information is document is proprietary and confidential, although it's been released to the public now uh, from the court order, um, dissemination of this information outside of Pfizer. So confidential. And again, this was public. You, uh, you have the link, uh, in the description. Uh, but yeah, everyone has this. So this is about adverse events. And again, like I highlighted, confidential to show you like this is the this is Pfizer's papers Pfizer's information this is not anybody else's information so a couple of abbreviations I think we should be aware of at least for this part is AE is adverse event something going wrong uh, CDC is Centers for Disease Control and Prevention the UK is United Kingdom US is United States and then a big one remember anything that look that has VAED that's vaccine-associated enhanced disease. If you see any combination like VAED, RD, like anything that looks like that with the V, it's vaccine-associated event. So, uh, introduction. Uh, this reference is made uh, to the request for comments and advice submitted on February 4th, 2021 regarding Pfizer's uh, slash bio and text proposal for the clinical and post authorization safety data package for the uh, biologics license application BLA for our investigational COVID-19 vaccine. Further reference is made to the agency's March 9th, 2021 response. 
to this request, and specifically the following request from the agency. And these are just high level. So these are just intro, which you can read. Section two is methodology of the report. Um, the second paragraph says, Pfizer's safety database contains cases of AEs or adverse events reported spontaneously to Pfizer, cases reported by the health authorities, cases published in the medical literature, cases from Pfizer-sponsored marketing programs, non-interventional studies, and cases of serious adverse events reported from clinical studies, regardless of casualty assignment. You'll see that they have casualty assignments of, you know, like very severe, okay, fatal, not as severe. You'll see, we'll get into it. Um, now, this is the first thing that was concerning me at the very beginning. The next paragraph, or the next part says, the limitations of post-marketing, this is the post-marketing report. The limitations of post-marketing adverse drug event reporting should be considered when interpreting these data. First bullet point has this sentence, quote, reports are submitted voluntarily and the magnitude of underreporting is unknown. Did you hear that? Reports are submitted voluntarily and the magnitude of underreporting is unknown. <laughs> so this is what that says to me is if these numbers are high, maybe we should be concerned because we don't know this, how severe it's been underreported. Uh, that was, that just stood out to me. So, you know, take it for what it is. Uh, let's see what we have here. So, okay. Um, all right, sorry about that. All right, let's see. We got some of the factors. You can see that. Uh, let me let's go back. Okay. Here we go. Under methodology, last paragraph. I highlighted this whole thing. Among adverse event reports received into the Pfizer safety database during the cumulative period, which again is December 1st, 2020 to February 28, 2021, cumulative period, only those having a complete workflow cycle in the safety database, meaning they progress to distribution or closed workflow status are included in the monthly SMSR. So basically you can think of a Zendesk, you're getting a ticket. If the person didn't properly put it to quote closed or distribution, which are like the last you know, two options that it ends with, they're not included. So it could very much be an adverse event, event, but human error didn't, you know, make it a closed ticket. Therefore, it's not counted. Just something to keep in mind. That is room for error. This approach prevents the inclusion of cases that are not fully processed, hence not accurately reflecting, reflecting final information. That's saying that it's not reflecting final information from being underreported. That's a, that's a way to say underreporting, right? Uh, due to the large numbers of spontaneous, uh, this was the second most concerning part, quote, due to the large numbers of spontaneous adverse event reports received for the product, the MAH has prioritized the processing of serious cases in order to meet expedited regulatory reporting timelines and increased volumes of reports has not impacted case processing for serious reports and compliance metrics 
continue to be monitored weekly with prompt action taken as needed to maintain compliance with expedited reporting obligations. Okay, let me break down that sentence because this is really alarming. All right, at least for me it is. Due to the large numbers of spontaneous adverse event reports received for the product, this is one product. This is the COVID vaccine from Pfizer, Pfizer's documents. They are explicitly saying due to the large numbers of spontaneous adverse event reports, they're saying that the adverse event reports, which are reports of adverse events, are large. It says large numbers of spontaneous adverse events reports. Adverse event report report is a report for adverse events. And there's large numbers of adverse events. So therefore, a lot of adverse events reports. And therefore, there's a lot of issues with adverse events. Right? And then it gives some more information um, about, uh, you know, non-serious cases, uh, how they're entered into the database. However, there's one part I just want to zoom in on. And I think this is a redaction and we don't know. So if you get to the end, the last part says to date, Pfizer has onboarded approximately blank or it says B4, like it's redacted. There's a gray bar. So Pfizer's onboard approximately blank additional full-time employees, FTs. More are joining each month with an expected total of more than blank additional resources by end of June, 2021. So I don't know why it says B4. Um, however, it looks awfully like a redaction. And here's another one. Right after that, it says section three, the results, safety database, general overview. It is estimated that approximately, and there's B4 again, so blank, it is estimated that approximately blank doses of BNT162B2, which is the COVID vaccine, were shipped worldwide from the receipt of the first tempor temporary authorization for emergency supply on the 1st of December, 2020 through tw February 28, 2021. It is they wrote, it is estimated that approximately, and then there's a number that's supposed to be for the amount of doses. It estimates that approximately blank doses. Well, blank doses. That's the denominator of total doses so we can extrapolate, right? Let's go to the next paragraph. Cumulatively, there are, or sorry, cumulatively through February, 2021, remember this is only a three month period, December 1st. So December, December, January, and February. Cumulatively through February, 28, 2021, there was a total of 42,086 case reports. 25,379 medically confirmed, meaning people submitted this spontaneous adverse event, uh, event and 16,707 non-medically confirmed, containing 158,893 events in the first three months. It says most cases, 34,762 were received from the United States. 13,000 was the UK, 13,000 Italy, and then it drops to 2,000 of Germany and the rest is, rest is spread over like 58 countries. This first table here says general overview, 
selected characteristics of all cases received during this reporting interval of only three months. I highlighted one that I think should be really clear as one that should be a question. Right here, case outcome. There's a few different categories. One of them, though, is fatal. Okay? Death. Fatal. 1,223. And there's right below that is unknown. Case outcome unknown. And that's 9,400. We won't even count that. If 1,223 out of those 48,000 are fatal in the first three months only, and it's rushed out, are you kidding me? Like, you got to be kidding me. And from age 31 to 50, it's 13,000 people. It says fatal 1,223. I also highlighted this description of this, of this table. It summarizes the numbers. Again, if you can't see it, just listen. As shown in figure one, which is this table, the system organ classes, the SOCs that contain the greatest number of more than 2% of events in the overall data set were general disorders and administration site conditions, 51,333 adverse events. Number two, so that's general disorders and administrative site conditions. It's very vague. We don't know what that means. However, the second one is nervous system disorders. We know that's a disorder with the nervous system. That's not good. That's an adverse event. 25,957 of them. This is in the part where we're authorizing emergency use to give this to everybody. And now it's about to pass for kids that are like under than five. This is just from the very first set from just Pfizer. And these are Pfizer's records. Like, don't forget this. This is their information that I'm just reading. 25,957 adverse events were nervous system disorders. 25,000. That could be 25,000, almost 26,000 people. And that's just nervous system. After that, there's musculoskeletal and connective tissue disorders is 17,283 people. That's a lot of people. 17,283 events. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of events. It's 17,000 of the connective tissue disorders and then add on 25,000 for nervous system and the vague one of general disorders and administration site conditions is 51,000. Then we keep going, gastrointestinal uh, intestinal, uh, disorders, over 14,000 events, skin, and uh, subcutaneous tissue disorders. Sorry, I'm not a very, I'm not a scientist. I do know how to read numbers though. And that's what I'm doing. Uh, tissue disorders, 8,476. These are all on top of each other. These are in subgroups. These are, add all these. Respiratory, thoriac, uh, mediastinal disorders, 8,848. Infections and infestations, 4,610. These are an enormous amount. If we're talking about a grand size, of like 51,000, like we're saying 51,000 adverse events. Uh, We don't know how much N is, 
but we know there were 42,000 case reports medically confirmed. And then 16,000 non-medically confirmed. We know that 1,223 of the case outcomes were fatal. And then we know 25,000 had nervous system. We know 14,000 gastrointestinal. We know that 5,590 of the cases are related to injury, poisoning, and procedural complications. 5,590. This is like, this is unbelievable. There's a chart here that that shows that, basically. And you have general disorders over 50,000, and we're talking how many people below age 50 have died from COVID. In fact, uh, I mean, at this point, it was way less, but like now even, at the point we're at now is what, like a million people in the U.S.? And like now, and you're saying just off these first three months or off of 42,000 or whatever, 51,000, you're saying there's 51,000 general disorders. There's over 20,000 who have nervous system disorders, over like 15,000. These are enormous numbers for such a small sample size. This isn't exactly, okay, it's all safe. We don't have to raise any questions. This is like, oh, like, let's learn more about you as an individual And let's see if this does work for you. Table two, events reported in greater than 2% of cases. I highlighted everything that was over 10% of the cases. It says N equals 42,086 cases. Okay, the total is 42,000. I did anything above 10%, which is anything above 4,200 I highlighted because I thought that over one in 10 is enormous. Gastrointestinal nausea, 12.3%. Fever, 18%. Fatigue, 17% of all of them. Chills, 13%. Vaccination site pain, 12%. These aren't like 0.01%. These are like, whoa, if fever is 20%, 18.2% is what it exactly is. 7,666 of them. Like, well, should we look into that? The blood clots is 4.7% of the whole thing. That's a lot. It's 1,972 cases of adverse events. It actually pisses me off, to be honest, the more I'm like looking at this. It continues, by the way. I highlighted the total number of events. It says it breaks out every, you know, all the bad things that could happen, the side effects, the adverse events. The total number of events, it says, is 93,473. I'm going to repeat that. Total number of events, which is adverse events, 93,473. So everyone has one event. It's 93,000 people. And you're just saying blanket statements. This is safe for everyone. Everyone's good. No problem. Nobody's different. This is a universal, no problem whatsoever. When you were looking at data that showed 93,473 for the total number of events. I really hope not. (sighs) Safety concerns, anaphylaxis, important potential risks, vaccine associated enhanced disease, including vaccine associated enhanced respiratory disease, missing information, Guess what they're missing? Use in pregnancy and lactation. Oh, great. Okay. 
use in pediatric individuals of younger than 12 years of age. Oh, we need more trials. And vaccine effectiveness. Oh, we don't even know if it's effective. It's just missing. Don't worry about it. Don't ask questions. Important identified risks. This section is all the different, all these, um, these, just so many of these risks broken out by the numbers. First one is anaphylaxis. It says, first of all, at the top of the description, it says post-authorization cases evaluation cumulative to February 28th, 2021. Total number of cases in the reporting period, N equals 42,086. Below that of anaphylaxis, it says 1,833 total. It says of that 1,833, there were one 1,002 cases, 54% of the potentially relevant cases retrieved, 2,958 potentially relevant events from the anaphylactic reaction. It's just tough to go through. These are Pfizer's just authentic numbers, like not high, covering up a thing. They have an age of these cases. They break down like, you know, how many females, males, unknown age. It says age range from 16 to 98 years. The mean was 54.8 years. The median was 42 and a half years. 16 to 98. That means 16 year old got it. Anaphylactic shock. We have 80. Hypertension, 72. Chest discomfort, 71. Swelling face, 70. Here's conclusion. Evaluation of the BC cases level one to four, which is rating the severity of it, did not reveal any significant new safety information, anaphylaxis. Oh, any new safety information. Anaphylaxis is appropriately described in the product labeling as are non-aphylactic hypersensitivity events. Surveillance will continue. Did you know? Did you know that that was clearly on it? I don't ever remember everyone being aware of this anaphylaxis like shock that it's clearly on the label and everyone's looking at the label. It's not getting, it's not going to uh, the pharmacy and picking up, you know, 30 of your, you know, SSRIs and you read, Oh, it may cause dizziness, all this stuff. I mean, did anyone really look at the stickers on the packaging or on whatever the shot or the bottles? Really? Were this, was this talked about that? This was even a possibility or just 100% safe? Don't worry about it. Don't ask questions. Nobody had a side effect. If you did, you fired. I mean, listen, I'm not against, I'm not for, I'm not on any side. I'm just going over the data in search of whatever the truth is. Just what is it? And let's talk about it. Why is nobody else doing this? That's what makes me so confused. Isn't that hard? I'm literally just going through it. I'm almost going through a lot of it right now in real time with you. So we're learning it together. It's data. This is real data. It's real data. It is real data. It just scares the shit out of me and I just, I just want the best for people. It's so simple. 
All right. I, I just want to get through a little more of this. So there was a footnote, by the way, of uh, it says, uh, uh, let's see where it says, okay, relevant event outcome. And then it has a footnote, which I'll get to in a second, which is B. But relevant event outcome of these fatal nine. Okay, that's nine deaths. Resolved or resolving 1,922. Not resolved, whatever the fuck that means, 229. And then my favorite relevant event outcome of unknown is 754 people. 754. Well, what if those unknown outcomes ended up in deaths? Who knows what they are? Unknown is just, who knows? 754. That's a lot. It's not like zero. That's not like one, you know, 0.01%. No, 754 of 1,833. Come on. <sighs> or, or 42,000. Sorry. Of 42,000. Yeah. However, the conclusion, no significant new safety information. It's appropriately described in the product labeling. Surveillance will continue. Okay. Footnote B, by the way, said there were four individuals in the anaphylaxis evaluation who died on the same day they were vaccinated. Although these patients experienced adverse events, nine of them, that are potential symptoms of anaphylaxis, they all had serious underlying medical conditions, and one individual appeared to also have COVID-19 pneumonia that likely contributed to their deaths. Does that seem like it's a little dodgy? It feels that way to me. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a Republican, a Democrat. I'm not. I'm a human being, and I'm literally just in search for what's the best for people. And if I don't know, let's go on this voyage together and research it, and let's talk and figure out what the answers are, ask the right questions to the right people so we can find the answers. There's four individuals that died on the same day. But they had underlying medical conditions. So we cannot contribute that. Maybe true, maybe not true. Worth a question, though? I mean, I don't know why questions are shunned upon. I think questions are really good in general. I mean, I was always taught to be curious, hence why I'm even doing this. It's not to prove anyone right or wrong. It's honestly not the goal. The goal is to just get the answer because I feel like we're not getting the answers. I just want the answer. <laughs> like, believe what you want to believe, deeper to beliefs, you know, whatever. That Listen, I'm not in that game. I just want to look at the data. I want to go over the numbers. And if it should raise more questions, let's raise more questions. Not trying to create controversy, not at all. So there's a lot more to this report too. Um, 
use in pregnancy. There's some details on that. Use in pediatrics, which is 12 years of age or younger, or younger, 12 years of age. Uh, this is a tough one to look at. <sighs> you can see that they were the ages range from two months to nine years old, median of 3.7 year or mean of 3.7 years, median of four. Okay, 34 studies. Of those, of the 132 reported events, sorry, 132 reported events. Product administered to patient of inappropriate age, 27 of them. See medication error. So they're contributing 27 to product administered to patient of inappropriate age. So is that like, oh, these 27 people um, had a horrible reaction and, oh, now we're just going to say it's not for 10-year-olds and really it's 11-year-olds? I, I mean, just what does that mean? Here's the part that really kind of made me just start this right away before I just kept going on and on. I feel like I had to start this video. If you keep going through these kids' uh, adverse events, there's an interesting one that's relevant. You go through it, it says abdominal pain upper, COVID-19. And then there's one that's really important. It says facial paralysis. Facial paralysis. I don't know if you've heard, I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, there's a new, um, there's new news about uh, Justin Bieber. And I'll just pull up the news pages to show you, but Justin Bieber, just to give you the context, is he, he kind of disappeared for a while. He canceled dates and um, he uh, came on with like a TikTok, a video, maybe it was on Instagram. And he showed that half his face was paralyzed. Um, didn't know why, um, but he, it was his eye didn't blink. Uh, when he smiled, it only was one way. It was completely paralyzed. And um, uh, I forget the name of the disease. It was like a ray, something where it attacks the nerve in your ear. Uh, this isn't a conspiracy there. He did a video of it. In fact, I'll pull it up just to be sure. And then we can kind of go into it. But let's see if we can get to it. Uh, let's see if it's on YouTube or not. But anyway... Uh, Let's see. Let's see if it's on here. Okay. Uh, oh, it's Ramsey Hunt syndrome. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this article because I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Justin Bieber 
postpones two NYC shows post Ramsey Hunt syndrome diagnosis read statement. So pop sensation, Justin Bieber left his fans in great shock recently after he revealed being diagnosed with Ramsey Hunt syndrome due to which one side of his face has been paralyzed due to his illness. The 28 year old star has been facing hiccups in his professional commitments. The singer who was gearing up for his upcoming shows on the NYC tour at Madison Square Garden has been forced to postpone it because of his ongoing health issues. Justin was originally slated to perform in New York City's iconic venue, Madison Square Garden, on Monday and Tuesday as part of his Justice World Tour. But he postponed it because he has Ramsey Hunt Syndrome. And so you could look at his video. It's on his TikTok. I just feel terrible. His half side of his face is just totally paralyzed. He smiles half. He'll blink on this side, but it won't blink on this side, which makes me concerned that the eye is going to get real dry. I just want him. I Biebs, Justin Bieber. I think we all wish you nothing but a speedy recovery, man. And we just want you to be healthy. Um, we don't want anyone to struggle like this. Um, and Bieber seemed like a good guy. I mean, I, I don't really follow him or anything, but I imagine he's a good dude, not a bad dude. Here, I'll show you the video. Here's the video. Crazy. I hope that didn't echo. Um, put the speaker away this time. Man, that's so sad. When I saw that, right when it came out, um, 
honestly, uh, that video just broke my heart, to be honest. Um, you could tell he's in, he's in pain. It's uh, in this article here, it shows he's got 8 million likes, and I'm sure he's got way more by now. And again, there's no conspiracy. I'm not relating this to anything. I'm just saying um, I saw this happen with Bieber, you know, a few days ago or whatnot. And um, when I was going through the Pfizer papers, um, I thought it was interesting, not implying anything. Uh, again, it says it right here. It's page 13 of their most recent post-marketing experience. Uh, facial paralysis right there. So just interesting, right? Get better at Beaver. Get better, man. Seriously. Um, there's, um, there's more in here and you can go ahead and take a look. You could download it from, uh, the link. You can just search it, uh, Google, you could find it anywhere. Um, but uh, the last part I'm going to get into is um, kind of scary. And uh, when you get towards the end of here, um, by the way, here's facial paralysis. It says number of cases of facial paralysis is 449 or 1.07% uh, of the total PM uh, data set. This is all related to um, facial paralysis. There's 124 incidents in the U.S. 314 were medically confirmed. 135 were not. Um, and this was actually really interesting, by the way. In this facial paralysis part, like the last, um, uh, I want to say the right word, the rest, the last category, right here, uh, is I think facial paralysis. I'm just page 19. And just go through this overall conclusion with me. It says, this cumulative case review does not raise new surveillance issues. Surveillance will continue. Casualty assessment will be further evaluated following availability of additional unblinded data from the clinical study, which will be unblinded for final analysis approximately mid-April 2021. So again, that means it's going to test in real people because tons of people were getting it and they're going to have an update because it's going to be unblinded. Additionally, non-interventional, I can't read, post-authorization safety studies. This is the exact sense that made me uncomfortable. So it says additionally, non-interventional post-authorization safety studies C4591011 and C4591012 are expected to capture data on a sufficiently large vaccinated population to detect an increased risk of Bell's palsy in vaccinated individuals. So that means what that is saying and if I'm misinterpreting this, please let me know. But what that says is it's that they are expecting to capture data. That's what it says, are expected to capture data on a sufficiently large vaccinated population because more people are going to get the vaccination between you know this and April 2021. 
but they're expecting to capture data on this large vaccinated population in order to detect, intentionally to detect, an increased risk of Bell's palsy in vaccinated individuals. They're expected to capture data to detect intentionally. They're going, they're, they're expecting to detect in the vaccinated individuals an increased risk of Bell's palsy that's right in the documents. I'll read it one last time. Additionally, non-interventional post-authorization safety studies. Case Brava and Case 2 are expected to capture data on a sufficiently large vaccinated population to detect an increased risk of Bell's palsy in vaccinated individuals. What the hell does that mean? It means they are expecting the data from these vaccinated, this vaccinated population set to detect, like, like if successful, we will detect an increased risk of Bell's palsy. We're expecting that. Well, did anyone know that they're, they were expecting that? Did anyone know of this footnote that we're reading here? Is that a footnote that people should have known perhaps? Is that, forget that. Is that a footnote people should know now? No, I got it better. Is that a footnote that I can ask, what the hell does that mean? Can someone give me an answer? That's all I want to know. What does that mean? Because if you read it exactly how it's written, it says, quote, are expected to capture data on a sufficiently large vaccinated population to detect an increased risk of Bell's palsy in vaccinated individuals. Pfizer documents, page 19. Post-marketing experience, PDF. There's 38 total pages, page 19. That's under facial paralysis. Pause. That's the Pfizer documents. In other news, Justin Bieber has a paralyzed face. That's totally separate. I was moving on. I raise questions. I think everyone believes that's totally appropriate to do. If not, why shouldn't we be asking questions? What's the reason? Why question all people in power, like the power of the press, how we do in everything, except Pfizer? Why do they get a pass? What have they done that's so great for humanity that deserves no questions? No conspiracy theory, no conspiracy theory, no controversy, just why? That's all I want to know. Why? And it's fascinating me. Why? Like, why? I don't understand. I even wrote this down. Page six. Due to the large number of spontaneous adverse event reports received for the product. That's in that's in there. That's that's the quote on page six. Due to the large number of spontaneous adverse event reports received for the product. What's the product? The product is the Pfizer COVID nineteen vaccine. Uh, what are adverse events? Adverse events equal 
not so great outcomes. And then due to the large number of spontaneous adverse event reports, so we know that there are a large number, large number of adverse event, AE reports. And because there's a large number, we can actually derive from that, that because there's a large number of adverse event reports, that there's a large number of adverse Events, source, Pfizer. You can't argue that. And I'm not even trying to push anything or any agenda here. I just want to know why those questions weren't always raised. I'm just super interested in that. Why are people not curious about it? Like, even if this goes against to what your core belief is of the situation, can't we just separate our emotions for like three seconds and just objectively be like, hmm, they wrote in there that there's a large number of adverse event reports for this product. However, no one's ever said that there was a large number of adverse events. In fact, I've heard the exact opposite, that there's basically no adverse events. It's good for everybody. I don't think people know this. And why is it so bad to go through with everybody? I don't think it is. And I think... I mean, I implore you to come to your own conclusions and to look at it yourself. It just, it makes me think, why are people not doing their due diligence? Why? Why? I don't know. There's a lot more I want to get through. Um, but uh, for this segment, I'm going to stop it here and um, we'll dive more into it in the, in the next episode. But um, yeah, if you have any uh, comments, definitely put them below. If you like this, smash that like button, subscribe. If you subscribe, that'd be awesome because uh, I never ask anyone to subscribe and it would mean the world to me. And um, yeah, I'd be, be super grateful. If it sucked, it'd be amazing just to get some feedback on how it could be better. And then maybe I can get that subscription later. But if you like it at all, definitely like it even better subscribe to it. And um, either way, I just appreciate it. And um, if you did like it, if you're listening to this Spotify or Apple music or something like that, and you give it a five-star review, I promise I'll deliver even better. Um, any feedback though, put in the comments and like subscribe and 